Hey, it's Bobby. It's Jared. And we are here on another episode of the Frankincense Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, man, well, Jared, um, tis the season, man. We are just a couple weeks away from Election Day. Election, yeah. Our favorite holiday. There's Halloween, there's Election, then there's Thanksgiving. Back to back to back. Yes. It's yeah. It's going to be um, an interesting, interesting time. I think for for all of us in in this season. I think as we are trying to maneuver through the decisions, the maneuver through um, the the way to vote and how to vote and um, who to vote for and yeah. and all that stuff. I mean, there's so much. And so um, as we, I, guess, uh, early, early, I would say early voting ended up at, opened up in uh, several states. And uh, you know, it's easy for me where I live. I live in rural. West Virginia, I go down to the, the grade school for all of 15 to 20 minutes, you know, uh, but I know people are stand, we're standing in line uh, in the cities for, for hours already to vote this weekend. Yeah, it's crazy. And so, to do, to do early voting. yeah, it's, it's a pretty crazy deal to, to see, um, to see this many people. I, I think I've seen like, it's like something like over 40 million votes have already gone in, something like that. Wow. That's amazing. Yeah, I think that's what I saw, and so that's a that's a pretty significant number um, for the election and um, early yeah. voting and all that stuff. So that's pretty awesome. Well, I guess I can stop all my political posts on Facebook since forty million people have already voted. I guess I'm not going to change their minds. You go, you can't go back in time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Could you imagine that? Is there anybody reading a Facebook post this weekend going, "Oh my gosh, oh my gosh, this has changed everything." Yeah, I doubt it. Um, <laughs> I feel like you know it's it's one of those things that you you sit back and you kind of just watch all these different um, all these different posts that people are sharing, all these different memes, all these different things, and it's like you know um, the it's actually been reported, it's actually been updated um, that over sixty million Americans had cast early votes um, so far. That was nine hours ago. Wow. Yeah. Sixty million. That listen. I saw a guy putting up political signs uh, in in the rural county where I live. He put up political signs in a uh, you know along a naked field that I, I presume he doesn't own. <laughs> but uh, he put up signs for everyone uh, running. He's put up signs for everybody running. Um, you know, as a Republican at every office from the president on down to like you know local stuff and. It's good, man. It's his right, you know. And uh, anyway, uh, well, all the signs were put up, and then uh, we drive by uh, a couple days later, and the Trump sign had been removed. And you know why this kind of bothers me, Bobby? Why? People are going to think I did it, and I didn't do that. (laughs) (laughs) I wouldn't do that. Come to find out, I am... I am suspect number one in the neighborhood. My neighbors have all jokingly told me this. And, and listen, to be, to be fair, I have like two neighbors, okay? Oh, right? okay so yeah. it's not like a lot of people. True, okay? true. We're talking, I'm in the boonies, you know. Uh, I lovingly call the boonies. We, we love living out here, truly in the country. But uh, I asked my neighbor if he did it. He said, I just assumed you did it. And uh, I said, that's the thing is I didn't do it. I wouldn't do it, and the the main reason I wouldn't do that is because I know that that sign doesn't make a difference. I mean, we are like you know a week away 
you know, from Election Tuesday, and there's not anyone in my rural county driving by a sign and going, what, Trump? Well, I never thought of him. Yeah, <laughs> very true. Yeah, same would, same would be, be true for, for, like, a Biden sign. It's like, you know, nobody's going like, well, Joe Biden, I guess he's got some things to say. <laughs> I guess I'm going to check that out, you know. No, nobody's doing that, you know what I mean? And and I will tell you, this this area is probably going to probably going to vote overwhelmingly like Republican, like straight ticket, you know. And and, and there, there's really nothing that anyone's sign is going to affect one way or the other, you know. Yeah, I think it's um, that's the thing. It's your your. There's a lot of things I think people just assume. Like there's, I, I don't know about you, but you know, I've been watching a lot of the like the Trump parades, right? Um, which I don't know why there's only Trump parades. I have never seen any Biden parades or even Joe Jorgensen parades. Or I don't think there's ever going to be. I think even if Biden gets elected, even if he ends up being a decent president, I don't think he's ever going to inspire that kind of uh, enthusiasm in people. Yeah. You know, I I, th- I think people maybe are just ready for a boring president. <laughs> you know? one, well, one, we don't have to have a parade. But, like, you watch that and you're like, okay, so really, honestly, like, it, it it wouldn't change my it wouldn't change my mind at all. Like I mean, like I don't like if I saw any kind of flags running around, any kind of signs. Sometimes personally, like whenever I see too many of the signs, or if I see like a crazy like um, billboard or whatever, like it actually kind of right. turns me off more than anything. It does. It's a little bit crazy. Listen, there is a guy on my route, and he has taken down his American flag. He had a permanent flagpole in his front yard, and uh, he took down the american flag and he put up three trump flags on that pole like one on top of the other on the way down and one of them is the rambo trump flag where he looks like it's like you know donald trump's face photoshopped on the rambo's body with and he's holding a, he's holding a you know like a machine gun and uh, i know and i thought that was crazy and i was like wow and i also that leads me to ask like under what circumstances do you you know, fly a Trump flag at half mast. You know, like is it every time he lies on Twitter? Because that would be something. But <laughs> anyway, <laughs> but but anyway, uh, and then and then I'm telling you, I saw a guy. You can actually see up to three Trump signs on a person now. If you count the T-shirt, the Make America Great Again hat, and a uh, Trump face mask. Yeah, I've I've seen people with you can have up to three. I've seen people with who I've seen the hat mask combination. You know, wow. uh, I saw that at a farmer's market the other day. A husband and wife both had MAGA hats and uh, Trump. And I'm like, you, uh, Joe Biden is never going to inspire like this level of loyalty. <laughs> no one is ever going to put uh, like a Joe Biden sign right on their face. So that when you look at me, you see Joe Biden's name <laughs> right in my face, man. You know and. I mean, if I was wearing that and people were looking at it, I'd have to be like, "Man, my eyes are up here." <laughs> I um, yeah, I don't know. I, I feel like there's a lot. There's a lot to be said around the whole like you know, um, jersey wearing about your over your your president and things like that. It's just a lot of different. I mean, from both sides. I mean, but you know, or really any side. I think it's just more of a look. Vote for who you're gonna vote for. That's fine. But like seriously, like it gets a little extreme when you're having like. It tattooed on your body, you know. Um, For real. And so I'm thinking of just grabbing, like, I'm, th- I'm going to make a flag of a president no one would suspect. I'm going to fly three James K. Polk 
flags out in front of my house. <laughs> well, after the last debate, I'm kind of thinking I should get some like Abraham Lincoln clothes or something like just like a, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, yeah. Like, well, only only one candidate was actually called Abe Lincoln well, at the at the debate. Exactly, that's what I'm saying. Like, I mean, yeah. Like, will the real Will the real Abe Lincoln please stand up? Um, right, I know. <laughs> that could, that could be. I do think whenever uh, it's not the first time that President Trump has said it, but every time he says, "I am the least racist person," at least at least this time he said, "least racist person in this room." Um, but I always think of uh, Michael Scott. <laughs> at Diversity Day, uh, on the TV show The Office, and had the the index card on his head that says Martin Luther King Jr. Oh, <laughs> uh, that's such a great episode. Awesome. Yeah, because you know my was the least racist person in that room, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think um, you know when I'm. Well, there's a lot to be said, um, but I think that even saying those words. You know, I'm not. Again, he is what he, he is. Who he is. He says what he says. But it also shows like the dis- the disconnect. You know, um, because the woman who was actually leading, like moderating it, um, was a woman of color, yeah. um, and for her to, you know, um, it, it's just weird to me. Like you know, she she was. Um, to say that you're the least racist person in the room when you're looking at somebody who is of a different race, um, it's just interesting to think that. But um, but anyway, there's a whole lot to that. But but hey, let's let's talk about um, what is motivating people to vote, right? Because right now, uh, you know, people people um, of the evangelical side, the um, the the Republican, you know, they they're voting for. Who they're voting for in order to protect a certain right um and you know or to actually even overturn a certain right um because when you think about roe versus wade and they want to see that overturned and they want to see um you know abortion become illegal across the board or for states to basically be the ones that make the decision um yeah and so you know for for us you know as two people who we would say that we are pro-life um you know but but I'm not sure if it's necessarily the way that people understand pro-life to be. And so we want to talk about that today in this episode because I think that um, you shared something pretty pretty spectacular, I think, on social media. Um, and I wanted you to be able to share it, and then we were going to talk about it. We we're going to talk about it through Scripture, the lens of Scripture. We're going to talk about it through, um, through what you experienced, through what I've experienced, but also as a holistic view, right? Um, because... There's a lot to be said around what does it really mean to be pro-life, right? What does it really mean yeah. to be pro-life? It, it's, it's much more than just saying we're against abortion. Pro-life means something a lot more. So I'm going to turn it over to you. I want you to share your thing from um, from Facebook, and then we'll talk. Yeah, well, what I put on Facebook was just a true story that happened to me. I remember, uh, I think it was... Uh, in the Bush election, and uh, we were thinking about reelecting George W. Bush, and um, you know the idea was who do I vote for right now? And I think it was Kerry, John Kerry, uh, was the uh, the alternative at that point. I actually didn't know anything about John Kerry then. You know, I didn't know um, of his history uh, with the Vietnam War. I actually didn't. I'm embarrassed to say that at the time, I really didn't understand what an American hero John Kerry was. 
Um, I was just really, like a lot of Christians at the time, uh, thinking about who do I vote for, um, Democrat or Republican, you know? And, uh, you know, it always felt like I needed to vote uh, for a pro-life candidate because that's usually what was said, I I won't say in, in church, but definitely in my church community. I don't, I don't think that was ever preached from the pulpit, but definitely um, talk against abortion does come from the pulpit, but I can't remember. I just knew that in my friend's circle, in my Bible study, uh, the people that I had rolled with the first uh, 25, 30 years of my life in my Christian community were always like, you know, you don't vote for somebody who uh, is going to, you know, keep abortion legal you know there was always this idea of like we should we should we should end this you know so uh, a lot of christians were coming from that point of view of like i'm gonna vote for the guy that says he's pro-life no matter what else he's going to do in the world and i was sitting there sort of lamenting and laboring over this because i didn't know how i felt about the war in iraq you know it was a very unpopular war um across the world um it wasn't unpopular in my friend circle. It was just unpopular with people who were concerned about um, whether it was whether we had gone in uh, under truthful circumstances. You know, really, were there weapons of mass destruction, or was this motivated by something else? Uh, it turned out it was something else. And uh, but you know, at the time, I'm like, you know, we're bombing people, and I don't think it's just. But the other guy isn't pro-life and you know Christians are always supposed to vote pro-life this is how we very much felt and I was sitting there with a pastor friend of mine and he said hey uh, have, you done the, have you done the numbers and I was like what he's like the death count have you done the numbers and I was like what are you talking about and he says well I mean some people are dying in the war and you know if you think that you know abortion is killing the unborn then you need to add those numbers up too and uh, you know I don't remember what kind of follow-up research I did on that, but as we sat there and talked, it just dawned on me, wait a minute, like, he could be right. You know, that bent my brain in a way to start asking myself the question of, is pro-life, which I would like to think that I am, is that just anti-abortion? Or is it also anti-war? Is it anti, you know, the death of, of anybody, you know? And as I start to grow uh, in my Christianity, it I start to, I get to this place, and we've talked about this on here before. What if we were to take the Sermon on the Mount literally, like so literally that you truly do turn the other cheek, you know? Um, you, you truly do offer the other cheek when, when the first cheek is struck, and... You become this this nonviolent person, and that stuck with me over the years. And I've grown in that. And since then, I found you know other Christians who really believe that way. Um, prior to that, I don't think I had encountered any Christians you know who who think like this pastor. Um, and you know he's 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 a little bit left leaning anyway, but still a pastor, also a college professor right now at a big at a big university. But um, you know I. I found my way to other groups of Christians that believe the same thing, and um, you know, a good example is uh, you know Shane Claiborne, uh, um, Jonathan Wilson Hargrove, the, the new monastics people. This idea they they really uh, believe that um, pro life should be not just anti-abortion but anti-war, 
uh, anti-racism. They're very much against the death penalty. Um, you know, uh, Shane Claiborne's been arrested on the steps of the U.S. Supreme Court for protesting the death penalty, and um, as, as long, along with many of his colleagues, you know. And um, I started to think, wow, what is that? And uh, then, um, well, uh, y- you may know from if you listen to past podcasts, and you may know this, Bobby, I love some Anabaptists. <laughs> I love the Anabaptist communities, and <laughs> turns out they're nonviolent, and they actually call it a consistent worldview. I love that a consistent worldview where if you say you're pro-life, then you're pro-life, man. You know, you're against police brutality, against racism, uh, against war. Um, they actually, you know, um, are anti-war. And uh, I attended a, a community of Anabaptist believers uh, for one weekend, and uh, you know, in uh, Pennsylvania um, at a Bruderhof community, and it, it just amazed me that a normal part service was praying for people being bombed by American aircraft that we would consider our enemy, they prayed for those people you know, mm-hmm. here was a church actually by the way that was praying for Syrians in the Syrian civil war like Syrian refugees, I mean how many churches could you walk into that were praying for Syrian refugees, but uh, they just really identified with these people in their struggle and um, you know and, and having to flee their homes and flee to the mountains in a time of civil war. And, uh, you know, and, and recently I've seen a lot of people, uh, Catholic friends, posting this too. You know, um, some comments made by the Pope that, uh, you know, pro-life means um, several things, uh, not just anti-abortion. The, the Pope actually threw in there, there uh, like, doctor-assisted suicide of the elderly was not pro-life. And uh, to, to add to the, the list of things that I had just, that I had just spoken about, this means that when we vote, we can't get too excited that either candidate in this country is especially pro-life, you know, because if you look at it, one one candidate claiming to be anti-abortion can be very much in favor of other forms of of death, um, and or, or or not just that they're enthusiastic about death, like let's go kill some people, but just that um, permitting it or promoting systems that permit it. And, you know, war is a very extreme and direct example. Like most presidents have been involved in some kind of conflict that's killed others, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, for some, sometimes for questionable reasons, you know. Um, many times for questionable reasons. I mean, there is a such thing in my mind as a just war, but we've had very few of those in mm-hmm. American history. But, um, you know, when we stop and think about it, we're like, wow, am I voting for the lesser of two evils because I mean at the end of the day the empire is going to be the empire mm-hmm. you know and, and we live in the empire and the, em- the empire does what it wants you know the empire um, has to look out for itself you know and, and sometimes that means killing other people to secure our security and riches you know that's what empires do and that's not Jesus you know and um, I, Rich Mullins you know long time ago when when did we lose rich mullins i think he died in 1997 1998 and sometime in the 80s uh i remember an interview with him and you can still find this interview online if you're curious about it he said that um you know in in our system when we vote um you know it's you know we're 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 full of sin you know if you believe the christian worldview is like we're born in sin so it's like one you know one sinful mind, a thousand sinful minds can get together and elect 
a sinful person. That's just how it is. And he said governments, uh, by and large, are anti-life and anti-Christ. Mm. I was like, whoa, what a quote, you know, from a contemporary Christian singer. The guy who wrote, Our God is an Awesome God, saying that governments in general are anti-life and anti-Christ. And it took me years to figure out what he meant. And I think I, I finally started to get it right about that time. So that, that's where I'm coming from, Bobby. Uh, I don't know, man. Thoughts on that? Um, first off, thank you for sharing that story because I think that a lot of people, um, they don't have a perspective outside of what they believe, right? Um, and that and that's that's the hard part, right? Because a lot of a lot of people who've held on to these views have never really either taken the time to think beyond just killing babies, um, and and really the broader picture, right? And yeah. And I think that's the biggest problem is that we have a hard time, and and I've spoken about this with my wife a lot too. Um, we have a hard time with empathy in this country. I think we have a hard time putting ourselves in people's shoes that have to make a decision that's harder than what we think it is. Um, and taking your baby's life, aborting a baby, is not the easiest decision I've ever, you know, that in the in the few conversations I've had with people who've had to make the decision, um, or even in the few videos or, or interviews or whatever from people who've had to make the decision, um, it's never been easy for them. It's always been something they had a way out. But one of the things that we've that we've missed though is the opportunity to continue to love them in that in in, in this decision, right? Um, and so and we and what you're sharing again is the perspective beyond just killing babies. It's like we have wars that are being fought, that we have soldiers who are being killed. Now, the argument that people would probably lay out, and some people are probably thinking this as they're listening to it, is, yeah, but those people who are in the military choose that, right? The baby had no choice. Yeah. I, I think as a, as a person, uh, as an ex-military person, I, I tend to think uh, a little bit that way, too, that, you know, when I took that oath, you know, I took this oath that I would die to defend the Constitution of the United States against all enemies, foreign or domestic. And there, as, a, as a military person, as a combatant, um, you have taken this, this oath that you will die. However, what I became concerned about was just all the people that the U.S. government, through military power, had laid waste that were not combatants. And I mean, this ha- we know this happened very graphically in Vietnam, um, but it did happen in the Iraq War. Or mm-hmm. and you know we've really bombed some places in the Middle East and where innocent people got killed and I mean we got the we got the pictures we got the tapes you know we got yeah. the kids with bloody heads uh, cut open uh, burn marks on their bodies from yep. from bomb blasts you know mm-hmm. we've got videos of that and it's it's really undeniable that we really killed some people we've really killed some children too mm-hmm. and that's what I was going to say is that the soldiers may have taken on the idea of the, this role, right, of where we're going to go ahead and do this, and, 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 that's, and that's perfectly fine. However, um, they aren't making the decision to go to war, right? Rich people, rich men on Capitol Hill are making that decision. Um, rich, a rich person in the White House is making that decision. A person who doesn't have to go to war themselves is making that decision. Um, so these people are having to go to war to fight for people who, honestly... Um, either may have never even fought in or even taken a, 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 the, the step to join the military um, who were able to get out of it for some reasons, right? Those are those people are making decisions for them. So that's not fair for them. 
Right, they have no say in what war right. they're going to or how they're going to be going to that war or how it's even going to be fought. They have to just go do it because that's the decision. That's, they, they made the oath. That's that. But your other point is, yes, there are children who are dying. And, they're, and, and what we've decided to label it as to make it seem a little bit easier to swallow is casualties of war, right? That they're just casualties of war. As opposed to realizing, yeah. like, no, if you're able to say they're just casualties of war, then guess what? A baby's just a casualty of sex, um, and like, and so, then, whoops, you know what I mean? Like, like, wow. like, because because the casualty of war is a is a heavy statement because now you're just saying those lives are just well, they're casualties. It, it's it was based off of other people's decisions, right? But now they're just casualties yeah. of war. So if you abort a baby. That's just a casualty of sex, of, wow. and 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 so if we're willing to, we have to be willing to label it the same, and 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 nobody will do that. Nobody will do that because why? Because because that's that is so unfair to the baby. Well, then, how is it fair to those children who are not who are sitting at home with their families, and all of a sudden bombs just start landing all around them, and they have nowhere to go except for to look at the mom and think. This is it, right? Um, you also mentioned in your post too about the idea like pollution, right? Well, pollution, yeah. pollution, taking care of the world is a big deal, and we've talked about this on our on our podcast too. Is that we should be caring about how we're caring for the world, and if the world is 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 slowly heating up to a point where things start to get into you know, or we're having global climate change and and all that stuff, and, and science is pointing to it. So we got to realize that science is pointing to that. Um, although I know science, people aren't really big fan of science for some reason, but it's true. Science is pointing to the fact that climate change is real. I know. And so, well, go ahead. They're, they're not a fan of science when it's like inconvenient to them. <laughs> yes, because we'll use science to prove why aborting a baby is wrong, right? Science is proving why aborting a baby is wrong. Science is also proving why climate change is real, but we're not willing to accept science on climate change because, well, you know, they're just they're just making up the numbers. Well, the thing is, if we look at the numbers of, of abortions nowadays, they're actually they've been actually decreasing, and they're actually decreasing under Obama's administration. So, so a Democratic administration, the ones who are meant to, who are saying that they're going to be killing babies, that everybody's saying these people are going to kill babies, they actually help move the abortion rates down. Yeah. So, because why? Because well, okay. I don't think, yeah, because uh, when systems are in place that people can bring those ch children into the world and, and feel like they're not going to be in poverty, that they're not going to um, that they're that they're not going to be able to not provide for those children. It's it's a more encouraging world to bring the child into when it feels stable. Yeah. Um, the thing is too is that what we have to realize. And and this is what a lot of this is this is my pushback. Like, I am so like I'm torn on this whole topic of abortion, right? Because, and I've and I've told my yeah. wife, I've told my wife this is that like, um, and we'll talk about the Roe versus Wade. I don't know if you saw the um, um, was it Jane Roe? Um, I don't know if you saw that documentary right. on on Hulu or not. But uh, no, if if you have an opportunity to look at it, look at it because it it really showed what the church did. To make um, Roe versus Wade make the whole uh, yeah. anti-abortion thing um, seem more legit, they actually manipulated a lot of what she said. Um, yeah. So when she actually came, 
and she, you know, she she's the one that the, the lady she made to fight for it, and she got the law passed. Well, then um, she got baptized, and then she changed her tone. She said, "Abortion's wrong, and I believe it's wrong, and it should never have happened. I wish I never, I never wish I never had a part in this." Well, then on her deathbed, she came out and said, um, "All of that was a lie." She was getting paid. Oh, wow. She got paid by the church, by the groups, to be able to like change her story. And and one of the church leaders who was involved said, um, "What we did to her was unethical, was immoral. Um, we manipulated. We 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 wanted to get something out of her, and we got it. And and then he and then he went as far to say that she was the type of person that many of the pastors in this group knew and and we've experienced before. And so what we did was we we knew." how to talk to her to get her to feel loved and to feel like she we we were with her and so so we manipulated her to fall in line with what we needed her to fall in line with and so and basically what they were saying was you know they wanted her to 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 stop um speaking out and to join their side because then that gained momentum for them and also gained more money in their pockets the problem the problem with that now is that the legitimacy of the movement is is flawed and and I think the bigger picture that we have to see is that that this is really what happens because like we just said that science doesn't matter when it comes to climate change but science matters when it comes to abortion science doesn't matter when it comes to COVID but science matters when it comes to um, the universe right we want to talk about the universe and talk about the planets it's like it's like we can't you can't pick and choose what science you want to believe. And when we do that, right. when, and when it only fits our our narrative and our agenda, we lose legitimacy. We lose validity in the eyes of people. I agree. You lose all claim that you just care about the truth. Exactly. And so, so what you're saying falls in line with the Bible. Because when you see what Jesus did, right? Jesus is all about pro-life. But holistic, holistically, not just anti-abortion, but like, look, I'm going to stand for all life. I'm going to be here for all life in the midst of their pain. And I heard somebody say something about um, uh, abortion clinics, like how you know Christians be outside picketing, you know, and yelling at these people. Don't go. You're, you're a sinner. Like you're going to hell. God, God hates this. Blah blah blah. And so the the women walk into these clinics to get done, get the procedure done, and then they walk out the back door, and nobody's there to meet them at the back door. They have all the Christians yelling at them in the front, but there's no Christians meeting them at the back door after the procedure's over. Yeah. And that, when I heard that, that was like so like, oh my gosh, like, like what a blow, right? Because... They picked the wrong end of the process to be there for somebody. Yeah. Well... Well, maybe, right? Or you can say that maybe they—it's—it's it's a both and, right? But I mean, being at the front is—I think there's a better way that we can be doing it instead of yelling, "You're going to hell and you're a sinner," and, and this is what you're a murderer. Um, there's a way to be talking to people about this decision other than yelling at them, telling them how bad they are. Um, yeah. But you should still be in the front trying to convince them, like, look, maybe this isn't the healthiest way to, to, to end this. If, if Unless it's like, you know, and there's a lot to it. You know, you got another story and that kind of thing, yeah. which takes time. Um, and that's we're going to talk about that in a second. But then, after being there in the front, 
you need to be in the back to put your arm around them and say, okay, look, the decision was made. You did what you had to do. But now let's pray together. Let's talk about what's next. Let's help you walk through this process because they're going to need some some help. And when the church should be there is at that moment, right? And a lot of times, and we talked about we talk about this story all the time on this podcast, but I think it's because it has so much meaning. The woman caught in adultery is this exact moment, right? You have the the church that's gathered around with stones, but Jesus comes and he and he yeah. and he gets down to her level and he's like. I see you, I hear you, and and I don't condemn you, but now go and sin no more. And this is this is really where the church should be, is down on the ground with this woman caught in her moment and realize like, man, she's feeling yeah. some pain right now. And this is where the empathy needs to come in, where we see where she's at, we feel her pain. We don't we don't say like, hey, go ahead and keep doing it, but it's like, look, we love you, we see you, we're not gonna condemn you. But we're gonna walk with you in this. Now let's go together and let's 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 try to avoid making having this happen again, um, because again it's like I think I've shared this on the podcast before too, is that we love to talk about John three sixteen right God so loved the world he came he gave us his only son right so but then after that though it's like he didn't come to condemn the world but to save the world. And when he says those words, there's power in that because for us, yeah. we should be living that exact same way. We aren't here to condemn the world. We're here to help save it, right? We're, here, we're not to help save it. We're here to point them to the Savior who's came to save them, right? And we, for some reason, there's so many evangelicals who want to say, you know what, Jesus? You said you didn't come to condemn, but you should have, so we're going to go ahead and take on that mantle. Like, we're going to take up that role. We're going to do... We're gonna do what you didn't do, because because we want we want to do what you didn't do. We want to do what you you couldn't accomplish. You didn't condemn the world, so we're gonna do it for you. So so again, so that's that's what has happened. I think along the way, and now we have to see that there's a bigger picture, a bigger plan in store. Because um, in James it says the real religion is is what. The true religion is caring for the widows and the orphans, right? And that means that the, the church, the church then has a responsibility that if we're going to start saying stop aborting, stop aborting, then we better start having some some answers in place to help out with the orphans, right? The ones who are going to be left behind because these yeah. parents who can't take care of them, and we already have an an adoption issue in the in the nation as it is, and and foster care is constantly seeking people to be foster parents. Um, but we so if if the Christians, you know, if we really want to put our money where our mouth is, this is where we need to step in. Well, I got a couple quotes from Rich Mullins that go exactly with what we're talking about. I mean, ridiculously perfect, but I don't know if I should be the one to read them because it sounds better from your side. <laughs> <laughs> well, go go for it. Oh, okay. All right. Well, listen, we were talking about, uh, you know, the military at first. And uh, listen to this. This is a lengthy quote, but I think I think we're on. I think uh, our listeners will appreciate it. Uh, see, this is Rich. See, I think a lot of my songs are really political. I think nobody gets it. But it's hard for me to divide up my politics and my religious convictions. There's something offensive to me about having an American flag in a church building. When the CIA pretended to be missionaries and caused trouble in Chile so that all missionaries were kicked out, I think that makes the United States the enemy of the kingdom of God. 
I think a government that requires 18-year-old boys to register for the draft is anti-life. See, all the pro-lifers, they only think life is sacred if you are a fetus. I agree that life is sacred to fetuses, but I also think it's sacred to 18-year-olds. Where were you people when Nixon was in the White House, when Lyndon Johnson was escalating the war? Not that I necessarily think that everybody has to be a pacifist. I don't. But it does seem funny to me that so many people who are anti-abortion are pro-capital punishment. So many people who are anti-capital punishment are pro-abortion. I mean, whoa, dude, he's saying this in the 80s. I mean, <laughs> how would this be received now? I mean, and by the way, you know, Rich Mullins was a guy that somebody would have considered, uh, I don't know, right-leaning or something, you know, and, and, and evangelical in his in his uh, religious and political views. But, I mean, today people would just naturally say, okay, well, fine, buddy, you know, go vote for Joe Biden and, you know, and just assume that, um, you know, just kind of write him off as that. I don't really know that he would be accepted, you know, in, in the kind of community that, that you know, promotes like, you know, the, the kind of contemporary Christian music that we have now. I, I just don't think he would. All right, I got another one for you. Um, and uh, this one was the one I was referring to before, but I couldn't believe like how much it applies to today. I wish it didn't apply to today. You know, when people find old quotes to say, this is still just as true today, I'm like, I wish we had changed it by now. <laughs> but listen, uh, uh, this is Rich Mullins. I am very hurt at the apathy in the church. I'm very hurt over the determination of the government to destroy life. And it's not simply over the abortion issue. Anyone who has any awareness at all of wounded knee, not only the first wounded knee, but what happened, but what happened there, what, 20 years ago, whatever, you kind of go, there could be no doubt that governments are controlled by men, without exception, anti-life and anti-Christ. Hmm. Man. And, I mean, in light of all that we've been talking about today, that stuff makes sense. Yeah, I mean that's that's legit. I mean, like those are those are real. That's a real sentiment, and that's something I think that we have to come. We have to weigh out, right? What is what are we? Where do we draw the line on pro life? Right. I think that's the question that we have to understand. Are we? Are you just saying? at the fetus well then in that case then you aren't pro-life that's anti-abortion and that's and that's fine like be anti-abortion but don't claim pro-life because pro-life is a bigger deal right anti-abortion is just meaning like you just don't want to see abortions happen save the babies man i get it like i'm all about that like i don't want to see babies being aborted however i also know that there's some stories that need to be listened to there's some there's some there's some health issues that might be considered. There's a lot of things that are out there that we have to weigh out, right? Um, and, and, I, and I'm willing to listen to those things. I'm not going to just say blanket like, no, don't get an abortion. Because the thing is, I don't know the stories, right? I, I, I just can't do that. Like, I can't tell people what they can and can't do. Um, that'd be like me telling somebody to not get a divorce, but then find out that their story is they're getting beat by their husband, right? Or, you know, like, it's like... I would like that'd be messed up of me to say yeah, you, you I mean, can't that, do that. That's a, that's a great point. And so, so I can't tell people. Yeah, what they, I mean that's, a, that's absolutely a great point. Yeah. So I think that um, you know when it comes down to this, so we have to we have to weigh out we have to weigh that out for ourselves. Where is your limit? Are you willing to accept war? Then what like what does it mean for pro life in that way? Um, are you willing to accept? Uh, kids that are that are getting 
that are you, are you willing to accept Flint, Michigan? You know, water that is that is tainted so poorly that kids are dying, like you know, getting really sick because again, that's a pro-life issue, right? Like, but you don't. But they look at it as it's become a government thing. It's become a a political ploy of well, we're going to argue over this, but in reality, it's like no, this is a pro-life issue. Do we want kids to be to be healthy? Then we need to be making sure that water is healthy. Um, you can watch Aaron Brockovich, right? That the the movie about Aaron, yeah. the movie about Aaron Brockovich, right? You see kids who are getting cancer yeah. in in um, I can't remember exactly where she was at. Um, maybe you remember, but but California. I thought it was California somewhere. It may have been, but wherever she was, um, that she's there, and and kids are next to a power plant or something like that, and they're and they're getting cancer from it and and so then she fights to figure out how to make it right well that's a pro-life issue right but the church stays quiet on those things doesn't know how to respond to those things doesn't know how to fight for those things or chooses not to but then says we're pro-life when it comes to stopping abortion you have to be pro-life all across the board a holistic holistic vision of pro-life and that means economically spiritually emotionally um you know physically we got to be caring about all of those things and if we're not then we're not necessarily being as pro-life as we like to claim right we're just kind of playing the uh, political card yeah and and one thing that i'm kind of discovering and 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 i'm, I'm not going to make a blanket statement about everybody who's saying this pro-life movement um for voting for the republican side um, or voting for the Democrat side, because um, people who are anti or or for abortion, you know, are saying, "Well, because I believe in a woman woman's rights, I'm going to vote for um, the Democrats." Well, then you find out too that they just really hate Trump, or they're you know they they have like right. a, you know, and so it's like you don't hide your other don't hide behind this thing to cover the rest of your motive because then you also find people who say that they're anti-abortion or they're pro-life but in reality they're also closed borders they are also um anti-muslim right and all this stuff and so then because they don't want to claim those things out loud they're going to use the pro-life to to hide behind that for the reason to vote for trump or vote for whatever and so you know right just own it, right? Own what you're what you're against and what you're for, and then go with it because that's just where it's going to be. It's almost like um, when you watch Hamilton and you hear Aaron Burr say, "Don't let them know what you're against or what you're for," and then even Hamilton's like, yeah. "Wait, what? Like, you can't be serious. Like, you you need to be you need to tell people what you're against and what you're for. Like, so that way we can kind of like know where you're at. You know, otherwise you're kind of questioning motives all the time." You know, it's like, how about you just go ahead and just own it and then right. let people know and just be and just and because if you're that proud, right? If you're proud enough to wear the the hat, the flag, all that stuff, then just own all of it. Don't hide behind one thing in order to cover up the rest of your stuff. Yeah. Oh man, I appreciate the musical theater reference. That always helps. Well, I'm a huge Hamilton. Well, I'm a huge musical theater person. Okay, whether whether or not yeah. like, I come off like that, I really am. And so, um, you know, I love I love all that stuff. So so I and I, I'm a huge movie person anyway. So I I can quote a movie and and find a quote yeah. from a movie to to fit whatever circumstance. So perfect. Yeah. 
Well, good. Well, I tell you what, everything I wanted to say was said in the end there by Rich Mullins. So, <laughs> yeah, awesome. Well, hey, Rich Mullins, uh, man, I hope that you are enjoying your worship time with Jesus, man, because we we miss yeah. we miss his voice. His um, he had a lot of wisdom, and a lot of good things to say, but uh, but anyway, well, man. I, uh, again, I appreciate what you shared in your story, and um, I, you know, find huge value in your perspective. And like you said, you know, Shane Claiborne, Rich Mullins, all those guys that are um, that have shared truth and continue to speak truth, you know, in that way. Yeah. We we yeah. Need, we need to hold ourselves accountable, and we can't be speaking out of both sides of our mouths. We've talked about that before, and um, we we need to really be valuing all life, not just bits and pieces of it you know so absolutely yeah all right dude well again thank you for uh for this conversation and hey if you're listening and you enjoy this conversation too if you enjoy any of the frankincense podcast we encourage you to to rate us like us share us leave a comment um because that helps other people hear about us uh but again um we appreciate you listening and um we will be back again for another episode um probably about another week i guess so with that uh thanks for listening i'm bobby i am jared and we'll talk to you later bye